The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15. <clears throat> I'm always amazed by the stories I hear of people who um, start watching online and then eventually find their way in. I, I found the second person made their way in. They were working out at Anytime Fitness and saw people coming in on Sunday morning, started watching um, online, and then uh, came to church. And so for those of you working out this morning, uh, we're looking forward to meeting you in the future. Amen. <laughs> One of, uh, or let me say this, preliminary, if you weren't able to come to the celebration service um, last week, uh, there are shirts out there in the foyer. Make sure you pick up one on the way out. I think they go from when you're facing the bench from right to left is small to 2XL or 3XL. So what, whatever is available out there, please get one. Take it um, home, even for a family member. If they're not here, you want to get them one. Those are for you to celebrate all the Lord has done. One of the sweetest sounds on the planet is a small block 350 Chevrolet <laughs> with a competition cam and headers sitting on top of the Nettlebrock aluminum intake manifold with a double pumper 650 Holly carburetor. Custom headers going into a set of Flowmasters. It's a boom, boom, boom. Well, I mean, I'm, it takes me back. I could be at the gas station, down a quick trip, and some bro is blessed more than me, pulls in in his car, and I hear that sound, and I just close my eyes. Oh, I could just picture my foot on the throttle of that thing and just let it rip, man. It's a wonderful sound. Uh, for those of you who don't know anything about that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, Jesus's yoke, he says, is easy, and his burden is light. And uh, we look at his life in the Gospels, and that he teaches all this stuff that is just mind-boggling. Literally changes history. Uh, no one has been more influential in humanity than Jesus Christ. And of course, we know um, and believe that he was God in the flesh, but he lived in the flesh, and he lived life to the full. And he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn for, from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we see that from the heart of Jesus is that he is not a taskmaster. He does not ask us to haul water for him. As a matter of fact, Jesus is a flow master. And rather than carrying around buckets, what Jesus does is fill buckets up. And there's a constant flow in his life. And so as we look at Romans chapter 15, man, I was sitting in this and you know, we had an extra week there for me to look at it and read over it and pray over it. And I just was having a hard time going, I'm not sure what the word of the Lord is here. And, and finally, I, I saw the Lord led me after much study and prayer 
I see Paul putting all of it together for us as he lands in chapter 15. It's the how. It's the how of, we look at the first 11 chapters and he tells us everything that God has done for us, what Jesus did in the flesh as God, is that man is wicked apart from himself. He's a sinner. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And man by his nature, naturally without the grace of God touching his life, he suppresses the truth. He holds it down. And in that holding down and suppression of the truth, he becomes irrational in his thinking. And this plays it out into very humanistic and selfish living. And ultimately gets so perverted that it plays out in the perversion of sexuality. And we see that in the first couple of chapters. And, and, and Paul is showing us that man, apart from the grace of God, is just in a very fallen state. But then he shows how God, um, Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to be a sacrifice for our sins and that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and, and that we confess our sins and, and he cleanses us from our unrighteousness and he justifies us in the presence of God. And all of this is done based upon what he did, not what we do. And we rest in that grace. We rest in that. In faith, we believe that Jesus died for our sins and he saves us from the wrath of God. And then we get to chapter 12 and Paul shifts gears and he starts to show us because of all that God has done, this is um, what we should do for God. This is what our lives should look like. And there's some very tall orders in there, loving your enemies and praying for them and, and stuff that is very, like, like really it is, it's impossible to do without the first 11 chapters of Romans touching your life, without the gospel penetrating your heart and turning the lights on for you spiritually. But once that happens, then you become this other thing. And, and Paul is showing us in these last few chapters of, of the letter to the Romans, he's showing us this is what it looks like. And I believe when he gets to chapter 15, he's showing us the how. And so today is a record-setting day. I have nine takeaways and one big idea. <laughs> we made it this morning. But you're going to see, and it's necessary, like I looked at this, I'm like, man, how do I do this? It just flows. And, and, and there's something very important for us to learn and to see how to live the Christian life in an effortless way to where the Lord is just moving in your midst and you're not trying to carry water for Jesus. And we start in verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Here's the first takeaway. Flow masters live to please other people. This is what we see that Jesus did. He just lived to please others, even to the point, and we need to pause and rest in what the scripture is saying here in this moment. He says, 
please others, not yourself. Live to please others, not yourself. And he gives Christ as the example, and he says, for even Christ did not please himself as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And, and so Paul is saying, man, that, that in that prophetic word there that he's referring to in the Old Testament is that when people live in such a way that it's insulting to God, all of those insults fell on Jesus, yet Jesus still lives to please other people. All of the insults of my sin, both past, present, and future, all of my sin that is insulting to God has fallen on Christ, and yet he lived to please me. That's overwhelming. That's overwhelming to think about. When I start to bask in that, I start to recognize that I feel like overwhelmed by the grace of God. I feel broken on the inside that he would have to uh, receive all of the insults of my sin because he didn't sin and he received it, yet he still lives even today to please me. And so as I sit in that, as a, as, a, as a person who's going to flow in this life, this idea of a flow master, as I sit in that and I begin to think about that, then my life is to be lived to please other people and I start to dwell on how the Lord lives to please me, then it makes it easier for me to live my life to please other people. Now, that's a very challenging thing to do. Um, and if you try to do it in your own power, you'll break your neck. But if the gospel touches you and you recognize and you meditate on what the Lord has done, then you can begin to recognize the people around you that you exist to please them. Now, that is totally um, uh, opposite of everything that you will learn in the culture, and that is totally contrary to your sinful nature, your flesh, that your body, your soul that has been re redeemed is still living in, because your flesh wants to take care of you. Your flesh wants to take care of self, and it doesn't want to please other people. It wants to please itself and use other people to please itself. But Jesus, he he does just the opposite. He says to us that if you want to find your life, then lose it for my sake and you'll find it. But if you keep looking for your life, you're never going to find it. And so to live to please others is for me to live in my life and recognize that sometimes someone may overlook me and leave me out. Sometimes say someone may do something that they hurt my feelings. And my natural response is that I want to hurt them back or I want to show them and teach them, well, if you are going to um, leave me out, then I'm going to do all that I can to leave you out of my life. And so now, instead of living to please the other person, I'm living to please myself. And, and, and so the gospel, when it touches our lives, that's not the way we should live. If the life of Christ is going to flow out of us, then we have to take on that life and we have to recognize that I'm going to live to please people around me. 
I'm going to live to please my family. I'm going to live to please my wife. I'm going to live to please my children. I'm going to live to please my friends. I'm going to live to please the other students that I go to school with. I'm going to live to please my coworkers. I'm going to live to please my boss. I'm going to live to please the people in the soccer club. I'm going to live to please others. How am I going to do that? That sounds incredibly risky. Won't people take advantage of me? Won't I get overlooked? Won't I get left out? Well, this is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. You begin to believe that the Lord will cover and protect you as you believe and live out what it is that he has called you to live. You walk by faith, not by sight, and you believe that he will flow through you. And as you live to please others, what you are doing is you are loving God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul by loving your neighbor as yourself, which are the two greatest commandments that Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. And so as we walk this out, it is a life of faith because now we're trusting the Lord with our lives and we're living to please the people around us. And so that's what a flow flow master does. A religious person just tries to make an appearance that they love other people. But a flow master loves them. And they love them even to the point that they're willing for the people to take advantage of them. Just like Jesus is willing for you to take advantage of him. That's the grace that falls on our lives. And so when we know that grace, and when we sit in that grace... And the more that I think about that grace, the easier it is for me to start to live and recognize when I'm not living. Now, in no way, shape, or form do I want you to walk out of here and think that Jimmy's saying, man, he's got this down perfectly. This is something that the Lord is teaching me right now, and I'm trying to walk it out, right? I'm trying to allow the Lord to have the freedom in, in my life to continue to teach me, because the more that I understand about the truth of the Word of God, and the more that I can live in this, it's seems the more meaningful my life becomes and the more enjoyable it is. And there are sometimes I recognize I'm not living to please other people right here. And, and so I have to repent in those moments and go, man, I, I'm not, I need to change my mind on the way that I'm thinking about this relationship. I need to change my mind on the way that I'm um, uh, talking in this moment. And so, but as I'm thinking about what the Lord has done and he's lived to please me, then it helps me to walk out that repentance even when I recognize I'm not walking in obedience. Well, how, do we, how are we gonna do that, man? How are we gonna put our lives at such a risk Well, he says in verse four, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Here's the second takeaway. Flow masters learn from the word. Flow masters are in the word and they're in the word allowing it to create hope by teaching them endurance and encouragement. So I can be in the word, everything that was written in the past, that would be a reference to the Old Testament because the New Testament was being written in that moment. For you and I today, it is both the Old and New Testament. Everything that was written in the Old and New Testament is there to teach me about endurance and encouragement as I live to please others, even though they may take advantage of me, I can read about King David and know that God had said that he was the appointed and anointed king of Israel because the first king, King Saul had walked in disobedience 
disobedience and Saul was walking in the flesh and was living to please himself and he spent much of his adult life and his resources in his kingdom trying to kill David. And David had numerous opportunities to take Saul's life, but he would not harm God's anointed because he lived to please others, not himself. And that's what made him a man after God's own heart. And I can find endurance and encouragement in that. And I can know, well, all right, it's okay if I'm overlooked in this moment. It's okay if I'm left out of this situation. It's okay if this person hurts my feelings because I have hurt the Lord's feelings, I'm sure, a number of occasions and left the Lord out of my life all the time. And so now I'm looking at how the Lord treats me even when I try to take advantage of him. And so as another person is trying to take advantage of me, I can believe that the Lord is in the midst of that and I can serve as the presence of God in their lives by reflecting the glory of God by, with mine by walking in obedience. I can read from the word and learn from the word and let it pour over my flesh and help me to rule my flesh and walk in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh and all of a sudden, life starts to flow in me. Now, I'm no longer carrying water for Jesus. I'm flowing with the life of Christ by learning. And I would say to you, if you're not in the word, you will never be able to learn or live to please other people because the word has the power to do a spiritual surgery on you. The, the, the word, Hebrews says, is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to separate the physical from the spiritual and show you how you're supposed to live. In a moment, show you what faith looks like for you individually, and you step into that faith, and all of a sudden, when you walk in obedience, greater freedom comes, and you realize it's not your flesh that is at risk. It is your spirit that is at at risk because when your spirit is at peace with God, the glory of God is magnified in your life and life just becomes something truly amazing. The world sometimes has no idea that it's even there. Why don't they know if the church is so powerful and the church is going to be something that the gates of hell can't stop? It is because the believer is not walking in the freedom that they are supposed to walk in. They're not flowing with the life of Christ. They're trying to carry water for Jesus and they become hypocrites because they're not living a life they're trying to do for a taskmaster. He's not a taskmaster. He's a redeemer. And his life flows in us. He doesn't ask us to do. He changes what we are. And he asks us to be. And if we will be, he will show us how to step into faith. And it will be scary for us. But we will see him show up. And the more we see him show up, the greater the risk he will ask us to take and the greater the reward that will come into our life. Because he who is faithful will a little will be faithful with much. Isn't this with the words of Christ himself? How am I going to do that? Well, he says in verse five, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's your third takeaway. Flow masters have the mind of Christ. Flow masters think like Jesus. They don't think like themselves. And the last thing my family needs, the last thing this church needs, and the last thing my friends need is for me to think like Jimmy. I need to think like Jesus. It's the best thing for my kids. It's the best thing for my wife. It's the best thing for this church. It's the best thing for my friends when I'm thinking like Christ and I take on the mind 
of Christ. And as I take on the mind of Christ, then all of a sudden it shifts the way I'm living my life because now I'm not thinking about my own selfish desires. I'm thinking about the desires of the Lord. And I'm trusting the Lord with my life as he leads me on this journey. And as I take that attitude and that mind, he begins to do a work in and around and through me. And how do I get the mind of Christ? (laughs) By learning from the word. You can't have the mind of Christ unless you're learning from the word. And so it is good for you to come into the house of the Lord and to be taught from the word and to be challenged from the word. But honestly, your flesh is so powerful. You need a more um, frequent rhythm in the word, right? It's, it, it, you need a, a little bit more activity. And, and that's why it's essential for us um, to be in the word in a better rhythm and even still coming together corporately like we're doing this morning and having the word proclaimed to us. We can also consume the word on our own and it will help us to have the mind of Christ. And all of a sudden, as we develop the mind of Christ and we start thinking like the uh, Christ and the life of Christ starts to flow in us. Well, he goes on and he says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people and again praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Let all peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations in him, the Gentiles will hope. Here's the fourth takeaway. Flow masters are the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, this is something really, really important that, um, the, that the word is pointing out for us. It's that when we live this out, we are fulfilling prophecy. And when we look at the Old Testament and we see um, why God chose the nation of Israel. So who are the Gentiles? A Gentile is anyone who is not born Jewish, okay? That is a Gentile. So that is us, unless you are a Jewish person here this morning. And so the Jews, the nation of Israel, were the chosen people of God. And what was the first patriarch, the promise to the first patriarch, Abraham, was I will make you a father of many nations and the world will be blessed through you. Now, what is that about? That is, that is about Israel recognizing that God says that he is going to teach the entire um, realm of humanity, what he is like through this one people group that he is going to raise up and make into a nation based upon this promise that he made to this one man. And so this people group becomes a nation in time. And, and through much opposition and oppression, eventually, um, after they're out of captivity from slavery in the, in Egypt, they become a nation. And through Moses, they receive a law. But what happened over time is they didn't live to please others, they started to live to please themselves, and they looked at the Gentiles as unclean people because God had taught them through the law that there was an uncleanness about them, but the uncleanness was the sin, and they didn't recognize the sacrificial system and the faith that they needed to have, which is why God gave them the law so that they could walk by faith. And so they took the law, and rather than being something that was pointing them toward faith, it 
pointed them toward religion, and they started to carry water for God. And, and how did they do that? Well, one of the things in the law said that uh, you, you should not work on the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So they said you shouldn't work. So they got it down to a science. How many steps could a man or a woman take on the Sabbath before it was considered work? And went, which step is one step too many? And they had it nailed down to the number of steps, which God never said to do that. Why did they do that? It's because they were trying to observe something. They were trying to do things. They were trying to do a task instead of be what they were, which was hope for the entire world. So anyone who violated the actual task that they observed in the law, they began to look down upon and rebuke instead of recognizing that the law was made, the man was made, the, the Sabbath was made for man, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. And they started twisting things all up. And, and, and so they didn't recognize that they were made to be be a blessing to all of the nations, and they started looking at all of the other people who weren't doing the things that they said uh, or, or, or the way that they believed things should be done, and they despised them. They despised the nations of the world, and they were the people that they were to be a blessing to. You say, how could they do that? If you were not living to please others, you were doing the same thing by loving yourself more than loving those around you. But when you live to please others and you walk this life out and you let the, the life of Christ flow through you and you're not um, just trying to carry water for Jesus, then all of a sudden you begin to fulfill the very prophetic word that said what happened is that the nations or the Gentiles would come in and that, that the law of God would be written on their hearts. And that's what Christ did as he opened up the gospel to all the nations of the world is that he is blessing all of humanity by changing people's lives. And as we walk that life out, we are fulfilling prophecy that was made thousands of years ago. And he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may overflow. And there, this, this passage of scripture has the word fill, full, overflow. It's all over it. Here's the next takeaway. Flow masters fill up and flow out. We don't carry water for Jesus. We, that's religion. We are wellsprings of life. Jesus said to the woman at the well, as she was drawing water from deep within and she was trying to carry her buckets, metaphorically, Jesus seized upon it and he said, woman, if you drink the water that I have to give you, it will become living water and it would quench your thirst. Not only would you no longer have to come here and draw from this well, the, 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 the water that I give you would be a spring in you welling up. And so now the water is not flowing in me, it's overflowing out of me. And I'm not trying to carry water for Jesus, I'm filling up buckets for Jesus. It's a totally different lifestyle. It's a totally different paradigm. It's to recognize that when I'm walking this out and recognizing there are opportunities that the Lord will allow the water to, uh, of life to flow through me in such a way that when I'm interacting with people, they are literally interacting with the gospel because the gospel has so transformed my life that I'm living the gospel. I'm living to please others as Christ. 
God, Christ has lived to please me. I'm dying to myself daily, taking up my cross and believing that Christ will show up in the midst and use me. And as I start to walk that out, man, the freedom of Christ begins to roll in my life. And then I am on fire. I have the, the, the zeo of God. I'm boiling hot. I'm fervent in spirit. And people begin to recognize when they're around me, something is different because something is happening in my life that is supernatural. So we fill up and flow out. And Paul goes on, and he says, in this next section, he says, what are we full of? And some of you are like, I don't want you're full of. <laughs> what are we full of? When we fill up and we flow out, what is it that we are full of? Well, he starts in verse 14. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. Here's the next takeaway. Flow masters have a personal ministry. Okay, so we... We, we corporately have a ministry together that we um, call in this local fellowship um, Over the Park Community Church, OPCC. That is, that is a, a corporate ministry. But we have personal ministry. This is not my own, only ministry. I'm ministering wherever I go. I love to play pickleball. You guys know that I love to play pickleball because I talk about it all the time. When I go play pickleball, I'm not just thinking, I want to win and I want to do well. I am thinking that. <laughs> but the greater importance to me is, who will I meet on the pickleball court today? And how will I touch their lives as I live to please them and I try to speak truth into their lives simply by me being on the pickleball court with them? If they don't know Jesus, they're closer to Jesus than they might be the rest of the day because I am there. And the gospel is in me. And if I'm living to please others, and I'm thinking like Christ, I have his mind, and I'm fulfilling the prophecy, I'm filling up and flowing out, then my purpose is right there in that moment. And I have the ability to, he says, instruct. I'm competent to instruct. What does that mean? The word instruct is the word um, noetheteo, and it means encouraging, warning, advising. It's a word for counsel. Like, we counsel one another. Now, let me just say a word about counseling. Is that if counsel for a believer, for a believer, if counsel does not rely on the authority of the word of God, how good can it be? Now, does that mean that it can't be good? Certainly it can be good. Certainly there's power in, in secular psychology and, and therapy. And I would say that men, people, like there are a lot of people that, that need that and, 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 and believers need that. But believers don't need humanistic psychology and therapy. Believers need uh, psychology and therapy and counseling that is rooted in the word. 
And so if you find yourself and your marriage is like on the rocks or you uh, mentally are feeling like a little shook up and you, you don't like you feel like you need to talk to someone, you should go talk to someone. You most definitely should. But you should interview your therapist. And one of the questions you should ask is not one of your unbelieving friends who found a therapist that was good for them. You should ask your therapist, what do you believe about the word of God? And how do you use the word of God and incorporate it into your therapy? And how much time will we spend in prayer? That's the person you want. Why? Because if they are learning from the word, they have the mind of Christ, they're living to please others, and they're going to counsel you on the authority of the word of God, not how to please yourself. And so all therapy is good and useful, but the best therapy for a believer is therapy that is rooted in the authority and the word of God. And not only that, he says that we are competent to instruct each other. We are competent to counsel because we are learning from the word. We have the mind of Christ. And this is why we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together with the body of Christ, because I will speak truth into your life and you will speak truth into my life. You will advise, you will admonish, you will encourage me. And I too will you, as I'm um, filling up and overflowing into your life, you will fill up and overflow into my life. And this is the greatest thing about discipleship. Is that that in discipleship, we start to share the word with one another. We start to encourage one another. We we help one another to learn about um, Christ. And it is a beautiful thing as we instruct one another in the ways of the Lord. And so flow masters have a personal ministry and they recognize that they have the gospel that has touched their lives. It has transformed them. They're not carrying water for Jesus. They're carrying Jesus. That's what a flow master does, man. They just flow, and and the Lord is just flowing in us. And and we recognize it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter who I'm with. It doesn't matter if somebody leaves me out of a situation because the Lord may just want me out of a situation because he needs me in another situation. So when I'm left out by one group, I don't just get my feelings hurt and go, oh, man, these people don't love me. I live to please them, and there's nothing that they can do that is going to make me have an ill feeling toward them because I already have been redeemed by the Father and they don't own me. My identity comes from Christ, not from my popularity with them. And so I can be over here and minister to this brother or sister that is in desperate need of my love and my my bringing the gospel to them, maybe not even saying anything, but sitting down with them because maybe maybe some of you young people, you're at the lunchroom and and there's a group of your friends over here and you've got your lunch and you look over there and you see a person sitting by themselves and you, the whole Holy Spirit just kind of hits you in a moment, says, yeah, maybe you ought to go sit with them. And then you think to yourself, well, if I go over and sit with my friends, I may get left out of something. Live to please the others, not please yourself. If you go looking for your life over there, when God says you're supposed to be over here, you will never find your life. But if you are willing to die to your life over there, the Lord will give you your life over here. 
Because now you are walking in faith. Now you are no longer walking by sight. Now you are no longer trying to protect yourself. You recognize that you are a flow master and you have a personal ministry and it is everywhere you go, wherever you're at. You're in the work uh, break room. You're doing um, life with a coworker. You're on the golf course. You're on the pickleball court. You're going to club soccer. Everywhere you go, you have a personal ministry. And if you don't recognize that you have a personal ministry, then you can never have the love or the life of Christ flowing through your life because you don't recognize all these opportunities that are happening all around you. I'm amazed, like this, this is happening, like I'm seeing things, um, simply the Lord just doing things by me beginning to think this way which is a little bit different for me because generally uh, in my life, uh, when somebody hurts me, I I have a self-preservation mode. I want to protect myself. In my last church, man, the church started to grow. It's moving. And uh, the situation came up where we had some of the leadership in the church had been taking people to this ministry in Mexico. And they were doing things, this other ministry were doing things in the presence of our people that I felt was heretical and against the teachings of the word of God. And so I had to, in this moment, step into this. And I I didn't want to step into it because I knew the leadership, man, and I knew it was going to be hard for them to hear this. And I didn't want to blow everything up, but I also had to be faithful to the Lord. And I stepped into it. And when I stepped into it, just to make a long story short, the, the leadership got their feelings hurt and they ended up leaving the church. And then I had several leaders because of that leave. It was one of the most difficult times for me in ministry. The church was just, it was growing like bonkers, man. It had a move happening like this church is starting to feel like it has. And, and, and so I, it was such an exciting time. And then all of the people that I felt like I needed to rely on in that moment, as all these uh, new and, and immature believers were coming into the, the body of Christ, the people that I needed to rely on were gone. And so my attitude was, you know what my attitude became? Okay. You leave me, I'll do it without you. I'll show you what you're missing because you didn't stay to receive the blessing of God. And it hurt me deeply. Like I became vulnerable and I became a target of attack for the enemy. And that's a story for another day. But, but what I want you to hear is that in that moment, I didn't recognize my ministry. I I let my flesh lead me in that moment. And it was harmful to me um, because it made me vulnerable to attack because I didn't realize my intention was good. My intention was right. I was trying to honor the Lord, but my flesh got in the way and sort of blinded me a little bit to some things. And because of that, I was a vulnerable target for the enemy. And so now what I do is I look and when anything happens like that and I, I feel like someone is doing me wrong, I no longer step into that and go, well, I'm going to show you. I, I just look at it and go, well, I hate that this ha- is happening. I'm going to try to love you the best that I can in this moment and I'm going to keep loving the Lord and I'm not going to make any um, judgment about you and I'm going to speak truth into your life when I need to speak truth into your life about what it is that actually that, that, that I perceive that is happening, but I'm not, I'm not going to start being led by the flesh in any of these moments because I have a personal ministry both inside the church and as I'm ministering out in the community and interacting with all these people and it's totally transforming because now I'm trusting 
trusting the Lord with every single thing. And the reality is, as long as I will listen to the Lord, I, I won't screw things up. But as soon as I start listening to me, watch out. The same is true for you. You have a personal ministry. And if you don't have that personal ministry, you're going to miss a lot of the things the Lord wants to do in your life. Well, we have a few more takeaways. Let me burn through them real quick. He goes on, he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have uh, fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has also been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told uh, about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Here's the next takeaway. Flow masters minister in power. Paul says, my, my ministry was marked by signs and wonders. Now, we know that the apostles had this apostolic authority that was reserved for the 12 original apostles. Um, they could do things like Peter um, came up to a guy and says, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Like they could perform healings. And so those, those are signs and wonders. Why did they have the ability to do that? Because they were writing the New Testament and it was authenticating the message of the gospel as God was preserving it in the written word. Much like he did in the Old Testament, he would give the prophets the ability to do uh, miraculous things or foretell things and they would actually come to pay us and that's how the people knew they could trust this was the word of God. But what are our signs and wonders? Well, Jesus said an evil generation seeks after signs. <laughs> So are we to be looking for healings? Well, I think healings happen. I think we could pray for a healing. I, I think I've seen healings happen, things that I supernaturally couldn't explain, but I'm not going around chasing that kind of sign and that kind of wonder because I think the greatest sign and the greatest wonder that I could ever be a part of is when the gospel touches a lost person and their lives are transformed by Christ. What is greater than that? A man leaves the darkness and comes to the light. He starts, stops living for himself and starts to live for others. And the only explanation we have is that God has touched him because human beings just don't do that. It's just not natural. That's not how we live. And so our lives should be marked with that kind of power. And how are they going to be marked with that kind of power? If we don't see ourselves as having a personal ministry, we won't ever recognize that we have a responsibility to have the mind of Christ, to fulfill the prophecy of God, and to please others as ourselves, or, or please others more than ourselves as we learn from the word and let us make us the flow masters that we are to be. So now my ministry is marked with power because I'm recognizing that I have a ministry. And because I've been living in the word and learning from the word and taking on the mind of Christ, the joy of the Lord from all that I've been learning from the scriptures and the peace of God is filling me up and it's starting to overflow out of me and it's hitting those places that I'm going in personal ministry. And evangelism is taking place simply because the gospel has transformed my life and everywhere I go, transformation starts to touch other people. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are falling on their knees and saying, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, but it does mean that I'm sowing seeds along the way. And people are asking themselves questions about why I seem to be so content. It is because I'm not carrying water for Jesus. I'm flowing with living water in my life. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. 
This is why he says, I've been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I um, go to Spain, and I hope to see you while passing through and to have uh, you assist me on my journey there. I love this part of the verse. He says, after I have enjoyed your company for a while, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Listen to the planning. Listen to, listen to the intention and what Paul is doing. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made, my, uh, made sure they, they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on my way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Here's the next takeaway. Flow masters minister with purpose. And that's kind of what I was talking about, man. We, we have this ministry and we're moving. We're moving with intention. We're moving with purpose. And we recognize I'm not just getting up and going to school today to learn because that's what American students do. I'm going on mission. And I have purpose, and I don't know who I'm going to interact with. I don't know which students' parents are about to get a divorce. I don't know which teachers have marital problems. I don't know which principal or, or, or school resource officer is having a bad day. And I'm on mission, man. I'm going to flow into that school, and I'm going to transform it with the power of the gospel because our world is broken, man. Can we not see that it is broken? Can we not see that the, it, we don't need more money? We don't need more stuff. We need more of the life of Christ flowing out of us. And that's what the, that's what the world needs, man. And when we would start to recognize that I have a personal ministry, that the Lord himself wants to flow in my life as a master, then with purpose, I will go into these places with ease and like water from a flood, I will find the low places and the Lord will do a work in someone's life as I plant and, a, and another waters, God himself will give the increase. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. Flow masters cover ministry in prayer. Our lives are marked by the things that we're talking about with the Lord as he's giving us his mind and we're learning from his word. We recognize we have a, a ministry that is personal and filled with power because we're talking to him in prayer and with purpose we're going into these places with confidence knowing we are competent to instruct, to encourage and, and advise and admonish other people because we are filled with the spirit of God and we cover things in prayer. 
I invite you to join me in prayer for our church. I'm begging the Lord, been pleading the Lord with the Lord for several years that, Lord, would you bring us good soil to sow in, soil that produces some 30, some 60, some 100. I pray over you and your families that you will produce some 30, some 60, some 100-fold for the kingdom of God, that your hand, Lord, would be upon us and a great number of people would turn and believe, that the word of God would continue to increase and spread right from this place into our community, and that um, people would, that the gospel would bear fruit as people hear and understand your grace and all its truth. And Lord, would you bring revival into this community, a revival for which people must take notice and say, what is happening in that place? Not, oh, look at the good they do. They take sandwiches down to the homeless. Listen, I love the homeless and the homeless, we need to care for them. But we need people's lives transformed by the power of the gospel. And then the homeless will be loved in the name of Christ. If we're not careful, we'll do all these good deeds and all we will do is carry water for Jesus and we will turn him into a taskmaster and we will do these good deeds in order to feel better about ourselves and the only thing that we could do to please the Lord Jesus Christ is to listen to what he's calling us to do in obedience, personally with our ministry, mark it with power because it's covered in prayer and we take it into those places and we see the fruit of the gospel. Some 30, some 60, some 100. Flow masters cover ministry and prayer. In verse 33, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The big idea is mastering the flow is the pathway to peace. Personal ministry plus power plus purpose plus prayer equals peace. To walk in peace, man. The peace of God is marking your life. The sweetest sounding worship to Jesus is a flow master who's worshiping in spirit and truth. Not someone who's carrying water, but someone who's filling buckets. I think Paul is showing us this because I think the Lord sits on his throne, observing us. And when he sees one of you starting to live this way, I think he closes his eyes. And he says, there's nothing that sounds better to me than the worship coming from that person's life. It was all worth it for me to go to the cross to please that person because that person gets the gospel. Now I want to put my foot on that throttle and I want to put more horsepower right there and hold around them. This, friends, is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. We're overwhelmed by it. But help us to be transformed by it. 
as a body of believers, Lord, we plead with you to do something in this ministry that leaves us speechless and brings you glory. That we would just say it is the Lord. That we would take any credit for it. We want to see the lives of men and women, boys and girls, transformed by the truth of the gospel and a shift taking place where the feet, the ground beneath our feet is shaking. And we know it is you. It's not anything else. It is you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We'll have a time of worship. There's people up here to pray with you. If you'd like prayer and you go, I don't even know what I want to pray about. I just want to pray. You come to the front and use the stage as an altar. Go to one of these people. If you want them to pray for you, you say, I'm not sure, just, just whatever. Man, maybe you want to lay your life down. Maybe, maybe the gospel's touching you and you want to lay your life down. And you've never done that and said, man, I, I want that right there. I, I want to make peace with Christ. I want to call upon his name and be saved in this moment. Maybe it's a time of recommitment. You know what the master's saying. My encouragement to you today is before you walk out of this place, let it flow, man. Let it flow. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.